flat-bloodedness, it doesn't look either totally wrong. This is a warm-bodied creature. This thing doesn't live in a swamp. This thing's got, what, a 25, 27-foot neck? Brachiosaurus 30. Life finds a way, and so does this pod, because we are deep in the red. This is spoilers! <laughs> is I don't get it. Spare no expense. Spare too much expense for this pod. But, hello everybody. Dachin, we got Dachin here. What's that, Brett? See, nobody cares. Nothing. Uh, I got you, Brett. Thank you. You good, Brett? Yeah, I just- <laughs> I was throwing a uh, quote that always makes me laugh just to make people crack up. It worked. Oh, hello, everybody. Really this well. is your host, Evie. And today is a very special episode. Patron member Chris. Should I say his last name? Anybody or not? No. Probably not. Okay. Patron member Chris uh, joined up and he wanted us to spoil the 1993 classic Jurassic Park. Uh, let's go from Isis to Wesis. And uh, his qu- opening question for us is, if John Hammond gave you unlimited resources to come up with an attraction for Jurassic Park, what would it be? Fantastic opening question, by the way, Chris. Awesome. Good job, Chris. Good job, Chris. Who's Eastus? <laughs> Who is Eastus? Me. It's always Brett, isn't it? I think, yeah, it's <laughs> no, always not, Brett. Not with Jordan here now. We... We figured that out. Jordan is way more east than me. This is Brett potting out of Fort Wayne. Um, I don't know. I'd have to go with, I guess, what that clip I sent earlier, the SNL with Donald Glover. I'd probably make a psychosaurus. That's probably what I'd make. Because <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs> I like that idea. I might be next, I guess. I. There you go, Josh. Way to take command. Sure. Um, <laughs> this is Josh from Goshen, and I am kind of an expert at Dino Park Tycoon. So this is a great oh, question man, for me. That. But unlimited resources, kind of ridiculous. So you know, I'm gonna summer my min- my inner Muldoon. Is that his name in this movie? Muldoon. Shoot her. <laughs> yeah, Muldoon. <laughs> and I think the most dangerous game to hunt is man. So let's create some sort of Hunger Games gladiator sitch. We're on a weird <laughs> island in the middle of nowhere. Like, take UFC to the next level. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> so hunting humans. How original. Okay. Josh. Uh, People wh- will be dying. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Josh, in Dino Park Tycoon, what's the name of the dinosaur you, you want to buy at the end and then it just breaks? I think it might be the Allosaurus. Hmm. I'll have to look that up. So it's people hunting dinosaurs or no. people hunting people? It's this? dinosaurs hunting people. Like I'm talking Russell Crowe versus Joaquin Phoenix fighting to the death oh. with unlimited resources. That's what I'm but doing. You, 
So you don't even where you don't even dinosaurs? need where the dinosaurs involved. It's just an attraction within the dinosaur park. <laughs> Josh, investors will never approve it's of this. Murder is an attraction inside the dinosaurs park. Dinosaurs need to be chasing humans for investors to sign up. This is up. just an advanced <laughs> level of UFC. Just think of it that way. Chill out. <laughs> right. No, it's like your Galaxy's Edge section of the park. I get it. It sounds like Josh just wants. It sounds like Josh just wants to see like legalized pay-for-play murder. No, listen. They don't have to kill the opponent <laughs> unless I give like a thumbs down or whatever. <laughs> So you're the ringmaster oh too? <laughs> Middle thumb means you decide. God. Well, Josh, can you tell me this? Will it be televised? <sighs> the revolution will be televised. You gotta pay for that shit. Okay, fine. Let's go with that. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Mikey. It's like death race. I like Josh's Fortnite idea. That sounds pretty cool. Human Fortnite idea. Ooh. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna also have an illegal back alley type business much like josh i'm but i'm I gonna have it. i'm gonna have a guy like in an alley just be like hey you ever tried any dinosaur meat <laughs> you, wanna, <laughs> you, want, you want a dino burger it's probably pretty tough uh and yeah you'll probably catch a weird disease eating something but it's like something you got it you can't let the fda find out there's well. some like innuendos going on there i don't know it's such a have limited resources <laughs> Gonna suck on a dino bone. (laughs) (laughs) Blowosaurus Rex. God, that is funny. Oh, PK, what you got? Yo, superhero correspondent PK here from South Bend. Jurassic Park's one of my favorite movies, so I'm glad to be here. I don't know. I think I'd do something like in the Jurassic World movie where he goes into the raptor pen to like train him, but like put a cage, just drop a cage in the middle and have it be like a, you know, one of those shark experiences where you get dropped in the ocean in a big cage. That works really well in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is Pappy, recording from Louisville, Colorado, and uh, unlimited resources, Stevie? Unlimited resources. Unlimited okay. power. <laughs> Alright, well, if the Walt Disney Corporation has taught me anything, the real money is in synergy, so welcome to Spoilers Land. <laughs> boys and girls where you can float in the spoilers milk bowl or get your picture taken with a real Anthony Daniels and the highlight of the attraction is you can ride the rock hard Vigo Mortensen it's a 1200 foot drop it's like a slide uh, but yeah that would be my idea the Anthony Daniels was such a nice touch no please don't stop keep telling us about this amusement park I have to hear more Jake oh, Gyllenhaal yes. is there, but he only hangs out with us. He's not available to like <laughs> the tourists. Available. Oh my god! <laughs> now, this is Corey Kylo Ren memes recording out of Simi Valley, California. I've been thinking about this. Uh, so the first Jurassic Park, it had regular raptors, which are pretty scary by themselves, right? But then later in the series, Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom, they had like a super raptor, even scarier, right? The raptor is like more evil looking. It's like part cyborg, I think. <laughs> Weaponized raptor. It is weaponized. So I say, fuck all that. You're going to have an amusement park. You should have nice raptors. So my contribution, Ooh. a chorus line raptors. I'm talking oh raptors in little top hats, twirling canes in an auditorium. <laughs> so if you ever go to an amusement park, you know, there's rides. There's always at least one auditorium that has a show. And mine is a chorus line raptor. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> If they can open a door, they can twirl a top hat. (laughs) Easily. 
I like how small everybody went with theirs. My wife suggested being able to fly with the pterodactyls. If I were to do one, man, do you guys remember that episode where Morty goes to that arcade and he lives like a full life where he like (laughs) goes back to work at the carpet store and he just lives like a sweeping full life and it's pretty much like 10 minutes. And he loses his wife and kids. Yes. <laughs> so dark. Yeah, that's taken from Star Trek, but yes. Thank you, Kylo. I know nothing of Star Trek outside the movies. <laughs> um, but if I were to do it, I would offer a million dollars to either four friends or a family of four that would go into a VR world full of dinosaurs, um, ones that will eat you and ones that won't alike. And if you could survive for 24 hours, you get a million dollars. But what you do in the VR is plastered all over Jurassic Park so everyone can see what you're doing and what you're saying. Mmm. Mmm. I love it. I think it'd be. Gotta... I, I mean, I think it would tear a lot of families apart uh, to a certain point. <laughs> yeah, <right? laughs> but who cares? Well, I, I mean, I think people would get pleasure out of just watching it. I think there'd be a lot of Vegas bets. Uh, okay. I mean, I, I think that's what I would like to see. Like the most, I mean, insane VR you've ever seen, though. I think it's a better idea than Josh's pay to watch people get murdered idea, but that's just me. Yeah. I mean, it's no rock hard Vigo Mortensen slide, though. We can all admit <laughs> that. Would the slide at least come I out of say, like Vigo, like whereas rock hard would? I gotta say, uh, I love watching Josh's Hitman universe while eating a Dino Burger. <laughs> sounds pretty awesome to me. <laughs> oh man. Well, let's. Get we could s- have the Dirk Diggler ride too, Pappy. Just goes straight down, huge drop. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Stevie, so sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Great question, though, Chris. I love it. Perfect question. That's an awesome Thanks, Chris. question. Before we get into this movie, I have a question for superhero correspondent PK. Just because. Here we go. He's such an enigma to me. I. He can't even say a movie he hates, and it just makes me laugh because he loves all movies, which I think is a great quality. So much that he even liked Jurassic Park Fallen Kingdom. Jurassic uh, World. Jurassic, there you go. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. That's how much even you like that movie. You got the title even right. Outside of the first one, PK, I have to ask you, what is your favorite Jurassic Park movie? The Lost World, probably. I like the first Jurassic World too, but I think The Lost World's good. It's a fun time. I don't know if it's good, but... <laughs> Two or three? Which That's one? the Two. second one. No, it has some moments, you know, and it's it's very heavy on the Go Bloom, which um, is enjoyable in some parts of the movie. For sure. <laughs> some parts. <laughs> I can see why you would go with that one as your next favorite. A young Vince Vaughn. Julianne Moore. Uh, let's forget about that one, though. No, that's, <laughs> that's not a highlight. <laughs> also, I don't like every movie. There are movies I don't like. But I don't like believe I said, it. Next time I, I pod, I'll give you a list. <laughs> there we go. You're the only person in the history of spoilers whose stats we track at a, that are at 100. percent Yes, I don't. I don't want to know a oh, movie yeah. you don't like. I'm the honestly. I'm the anti-Jordan. Yeah. Exactly, <laughs> <Brother> Jordan. <laughs> uh, well, let's go ahead and start out with this movie. Kylo, we pretty much have one main hero in this movie. Who actually is Dr. Alan Grant? Oh, Dr. Alan Grant is a paleontologist which is what I wanted to be when I was a little kid. Because nice. of indie or because of this movie? 
because of this movie and because <laughs> dinosaurs were pretty hot shit in the 90s. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they were. <laughs> the introduction to Alan Grant, I do want to talk about that scene. It's like such a great scene. In fact, there's a lot of memorable scenes in this movie overall. Almost everyone is, in fact. But uh, Dr. Grant and Ellie Sadler, they're digging up some dinosaur bones and you get to see a dig site. Grant's like explaining similarities between birds and dinos. He's really showcasing his knowledge. And this is just great. Like some little dipshit kid <laughs> pipes in and starts making <laughs> a smart ass comment. Where did this kid come from? He just appears yeah, what's he from doing there? Montana <laughs> Desert <laughs> to roast Dr. Grant. <laughs> this is one of my favorite mo- moments in the whole movie. I listened to this in headphones for the first time ever, and someone in the crowd goes, Ooh, this kid's really a pistol. (laughs) (laughs) A pistol. There's a moment Uh, right before Grant responds to this kid where he stops dead in his tracks and puts his hands on his hips and just has like a small laugh to himself. He's like, finally, an opportunity to ruin a child's life. It's awesome. But also, how'd the kid see like the the picture of it? Because he's like, that doesn't look very scary. And like they all clear out and he's clearly shorter than everybody. Get him, Dr. Grant. Show him. Show him what's up. Roast him. (laughs) (laughs) Tell him about the birds. Tell him about the birds. Somebody starts a beat. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like all in the name to like respect this old dino. Like, hey, if this dino was alive, he'd really kick your ass, kid. (laughs) No, what I think is hilarious is that Grant basically pulls a knife on this kid to prove his point. (laughs) Yeah. And it's not really a knife, obviously. It's like a prehistoric equivalent, the raptor claw. But it still counts. It's still very sharp. Um, That really gets the kid's attention. Uh, But we learned three things about Grant, Stevie. Grant, he doesn't like technology, which is not really relevant to the plot, but it's a kind of a recurring series of gags in the movie. Um, He doesn't like kids. This kid, namely, but it seems that he doesn't like kids in general. This kid, I feel like, really struck a nerve. (laughs) Nobody likes this kid. (laughs) That's kind of part of his character arc, though. And also, he's an expert in his field. So those are like the three big things we learn about Grant right off. And uh, that leads us to the next beat of the movie, in fact. Something that's really ironic is that as we record this podcast, the most recent WTF with Mark Maron is with Sam Neill. So Mm. I listened to that, and uh, he has this thing that he... I think he writes these notes on his script sometimes. NAR stands for no acting required. And he pretty much said like his view on kids is kind of similar to what it is in the movie. And <laughs> he actually acts still, as we all know. He's just in a movie called Rams, but he also owns like four vineyards and has like a dozen or fifteen employees at all times. He's a really strange man. Is that why he was so good in Hunt for the Wilder People? Because yes. he just hates kids. <laughs> And he's from New Zealand, so it's perfect. <laughs> Uncle Heck Uncle is doing Heck. pretty well with four vineyards. <laughs> Heck. Uncle Heek. Heek. He described himself as a ja- Jekyll and Hyde, and like the acting is the friendly Jekyll, and his like obsession with grapes and wine is like Dr. Hyde. And so mm-hmm. I don't know. That's pretty interesting, I thought. Part of me always wished that there would be a deleted scene of Dr. Alan Grant like paying that kid like 40 bucks. Like after everybody already clears out, just to, just so Alan Grant could seem smarter than he actually was, put it on a show for everybody. Put on a show for everybody. Say he's gonna rip his kids' intestines open. I've been I've been pretty down lately. I needed that one kid. Thanks. <laughs> the kid just walks back off into the desert and like fades away slowly. <laughs> oh, uh, Brett, 
who is his booty, yeah. Doctor Sadler, and why is Laura Dern like the be- the best bad bitch in the world? Uh, she's uh, a paleobotanist. She's I'm trying to think. I mean, I know what she is in the book. Uh, she's you read the book? They're That's yeah, awesome. I read the book too. It's pretty Ooh, good. It's very different. If you want to ask me, I'll let you know. But. Um, She's not a huge part of the book. Like she is, but that's why she kind of gets other people's characteristics um, in the movie to make her extra cool. But yeah, she's just really cool, and she doesn't take crap from anybody. And great actress, future Oscar winner. That's. I mean, are you talking about just kind of like what we know right now at the beginning, or just kind of throughout? Spill the beans, Brett. Spill them all. I mean, she's just tough. I mean, she volunteers to go into dangerous situations. She. Uh, gets the power back on. She runs with injuries. She's just, she's cool chick. I mean, like you said, mm-hmm. she's just really tough, really cool, and uh, solves a lot of problems. She's a vice admiral in the resistance. Uh, oh, yeah. During the conflict <laughs> with the First Order. Purple hair. Purple hair, yeah. <laughs> are they dating? Is that confirmed? Yes. Um, yeah. They are not in the book, by the way. If that's, she's just a grad student of his. Dr. Alan Grant seemed very possessive. You think so? Of her. Wouldn't you, too, with uh, Goldblum with Goldblum with Goldblum's hanging around? Yeah. I felt like he was taking that really well. I felt he like, like he didn't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just left him in the car. When Goldblum was running fingers through her hair, yeah, that's true. Alan Grant was getting a little, I want to punch this guy. Is that why he jumped out of the car? It wasn't the Triceratops? <laughs> 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 I don't know, man. I thought Laura Dern seemed pretty into him, actually, the entire movie. Like basically telling him she wants ki- to have his kids, literally. That was their real-life chemistry spilling through, probably, because they dated or something. To have his little Ricky Bakers? I just don't know why she didn't tell Poe her plan all along, though. Exactly. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, I have a question for you. Let's do it. I noticed this in a lot of movies, especially 90s movies. I think it's technically called this, but I always call it, like, warehouse shooting where even if it's outside, there's something magnificent looking about super bright lights and super fog, like mixing in with them. So it looks like it's being shot in the warehouse. In the opening with the raptor scenes, do you like how that kind of set piece like looks from, I guess you could say, like the audience perspective of bright lights and crazy fog rolling through with really chaotic shooting all around? It's amazing. And it looks like it could be in an 80s movie. I don't think I don't, I'm not aware of any like CGI used in this scene mm-hmm. necessarily. Maybe there's some subtle details or something, but I think there's only like 55 total CGI shots in this movie. So I don't know if any are here. And yes, it looks amazing. It looked like it, it could be like part of RoboCop maybe, mm-hmm. but I like that. Yes. <laughs> I also just like how many like little tidbits they drop right here in the opening. Like, first of all, Raptors are nothing to fuck with. Like, we're going to get into some Jaws level biting here. And then <laughs> again, I'm bringing up Muldoon, but like his kind of eye contact with the Raptor and almost like this whole recognition thing that becomes a big theme in the movie, like one intelligent species to another. Um, I really like that part. Steve, right. I don't know if I'm breaking news here, but break it. Bear, bear with me. Non-sports people. Uh, this movie was shot on location in the Hawaiian island of Kauai. Um, Steve, are you familiar with a basketball player named Kauai Leonard? 
Leonard? Yeah? Do you remember what team that he won his last NBA championship with? I do. Them Toronto Raptors? Oh. Coincidence? I think not. I think <laughs> not. Coincidence? What does it all mean? Let me ask you guys, you sports guys, a question. Was the Raptors team named after the dinosaur craze of the 90s? Yes. I'm 100%. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I don't know how long they've been around. I don't fucking know. 90s. I think they were a expansion team in the 90s. 96, maybe. Well, thank you. There's no way they there, there's no way they weren't named after Jurassic Park. Like real life raptors are like actually the size of like turkeys. They're very like small like animals. Oh my so god, <laughs> the kid was right all along. Yeah. Hold on a second, Pappy's not showing much respect. That's I don't like true. This. Yeah, <laughs> put that claw away, Josh. Pappy, try to imagine yourself in the Cretaceous period. Pappy, you have to imagine they hunt in packs though. <laughs> they move in herds. Yeah. <laughs> Pappy wishes it was the Cretaceous period. He doesn't want any of this. This isn't what he wanted. Kyla, the Crustaceous period brings up the fact that like some people rip on this for having dinosaurs that weren't in the Jurassic period as part of the park. Really? That's kind of that's kind of bullcrap commentary. That's right? really reaching for complaints about the movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's like if you want to hate it, but like you can't find any valid criticisms with the film itself. I'm glad Josh touched on very little CGI. Mikey, you're a big practical effect guy. Um, what's your favorite practical effect shot in this movie? Uh, there's lots of cool ones. I am um, I'm picturing the T-Rex putting its foot down like in front of the Jeep and we see it like squished down in the mud. That's a pretty classic one. Or the T-Rex's eye next to the Jeep. I love the T-Rex's eye. And I'm thinking about the raptors in the kitchen, which is probably my favorite scene. Some of that is CGI, though, right? When they show them, like, head to toe, isn't that usually CGI? Mm-hmm. Did you guys, have you guys seen the um, making of with uh, James Earl Jones? Oh, yeah. It's really, really good. It's not on YouTube right now, which is where I initially watched it, but it is on, like, Daily Motion or something. But they basically, like, altered course, like, a a quarter of the way through production they were doing like, the equivalent of like stop motion and then like oh, Spielberg pivoted geez. to full on CGI uh for like 90 for most of it right so it was like a big decision at the time and like the guy who was like doing the stop motion stuff was like obviously devastated and then he like he saw <laughs> he saw the CGI and he's like well I'm extinct and then it ended up being a oh, line no. in the movie that like Alan Grant says like later on too it's Oof. like it's really crazy, like what they did. PK, do you remember anything from that documentary? It's, oh, it's yeah. a really good I've one. I've seen it a few times, but like, like uh, it's cool because they do show like early test footage of the like stop motion style that they were gonna have, and it was yeah, it was like this movie would have been so much different if they wouldn't have gone the route they did. These are the first like CGI living creatures in a movie like before this it's what like it was like tight like terminator 2 and like some james cameron like abyss like the the watery thing or whatever but this is like the first time water face yeah they use like use cgi to create a living creature in a movie and it looks it looks so much better than it should right give it given that yeah i wish like i could time travel back to like 1993 and watch this in theaters for the very first time like with a crowd and see how their reactions were like i can't imagine how cool it was to see like that big jump in like movie quality just with this one movie. I've I think seen it, it still in theaters a couple times. 
Um, but yeah, I, like I, I totally agree, Brett. I think it still holds up, like that T Rex scene specifically. Yeah, T Rex looks great. Is that T Rex still around? They made that. Probably, yeah. I hope so. Still roams the Isle of Kauai today. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it hangs out in the Shire in New Zealand, looking for That's flashlights. The- yeah. <laughs> Pap, I have a question for you. Let's go. I think we talked about this earlier in the day, but mm. why do you think? Because this isn't a, a good franchise. It's just not. The Jurassic franchise is not a good franchise. There's probably one amazing movie, one okay movie, and the rest are pretty bad. But wait, which one's the okay movie? Ah, uh, Lost World. I don't like Lost World. I don't either. Jurassic Park Three is really underwhelming and got stitched together through editing. You know, okay, there's one amazing movie and the rest are pretty bad. <laughs> but, <laughs> like everybody knows what this movie's about, but like, what is this movie actually about that makes it work compared to the others? Uh, good question. Yeah, I guess this is the third time I've done a podcast on a Jurassic Park movie. We did Fallen Kingdom on this podcast feed. I did lost world with kylo over on big dumb movie and this is the first time i've actually liked one of these movies so like you know i don't know it's it's easy to be like i don't i don't know steve you always make fun of me like whenever i look for themes in a movie like you said you like mocked me relentlessly on armageddon when i was talking about the themes of like not wanting your daughter to get plowed uh by someone that's reaching dude but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like I can actually connect something in this movie. For as much as you make fun of me for it, my themes, my themes. I don't know. I mean, there really are like I think it's like the whole kid thing really does add a lot, right? And like you're seeing yeah. the relationship with Alan Grant, like with the kids, going from someone who like doesn't want to ride in the car with them to someone who's like I don't know, almost like using parental psychology, right, to like get him off a fence, maybe unsuccessfully, or get him out of a car or down a tree or something like that. So, I, I think that is really like a lot of the heart of the movie is is his his arc. The easiest way to look at this would be, you know, Disney World for dinosaurs go wrong, people need to survive. Actually, seeing Doctor Alan Grant go from a guy who can't stand kids to risking his life for them really driving the entire plot of the whole movie is what I think separates this one from its sequels. And this one only has 15 minutes of dinosaurs on screen. So yes, the best Jurassic Park movie has the least amount of dinosaurs. And what can we learn from that? It's not that like having dinosaurs on screen is inherently bad, but when you're not like showing a roller coaster of people rolling around in balls with dinosaurs and volcanoes going off and all of that bullshit. Like you get to spend time developing memorable characters and creating memorable lines and situations, which there's so many, like Kylo said, there's so many things about this movie that are ingrained into my brain forever. Yeah. That's a really good point. Speaking of, I think this, this has to be one of Steven Spielberg's best movies. I think the set pieces and the sequences are just flat out amazing. So if you guys just want to go ahead and blurt out like what one of your favorite sequences is, uh, go ahead, because there's tons of them. I am a editor for trade for work, and this movie has maybe my favorite single edit ever, all-time <gasps> cinema. Oh, man. Wow. And I think he fell. He fell. He fell. 
Hi, Farrell. I think this is really similar to that because I don't think people are going to take it that seriously because there's a lot of humor involved, but there's also like a tonal shift. And um, it's when Hammond finds out that the storm isn't going to swing south. This is coming right for us and we need to get the, these people back to the compound immediately. So this like initial tour that he's been planning for years has failed. He slams this cane down and says, damn. And it immediately <laughs> switches to casual as hell Goldblum strolling up and going. Ah! That is one big pile of shit. <laughs> so good. And I, that's just, I just am in love. I love it. Uh, I love the first time they see a dinosaur. Um, like mm. Alan sees it. I think Dr. Grant sees it first and he, grabs her head and kind of turns it towards I think that's really really cool because you've chauvinistic it's the big trailer moment it is really cool because she's like going on about this like leaf like somewhere along the way she collected a leaf and she's a paleobotanist she's like I haven't seen there's no leaf like this in our history this dates all the way back to blah 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 and he's like shut the fuck up and look at the dinosaur (laughs) Steve, I have a question for you about that scene. Hit me with it. How do you, in the pantheon of John Williams' scores, where does Jurassic Park fall for you? One of the great composers of all time. Of all time, all time. I don't know. I think I have a mental block because I know the theme when I hear it, but I can't do it off the top of my head. It's the weirdest thing. I've watched this movie three times in the past two days, and I cannot, for the life of me, tell you what the theme is. (laughs) Once you get it going, Stevie, it just rolls. It It keeps going for a long time. I can't start it. It's a mental block. I cannot start it. Listen to the song Welcome to Jurassic Park on the soundtrack. It's got like it starts off with the piano theme and then it goes into like both the major themes of the movie. Oh, it's so good. It's like eight minutes long. It's incredible. (laughs) It might be playing now. Oh, <laughs> I feel like that's kind of the music going back to Brett's comment of like when their knees are like buckling at the sight of the dinos too. It's that really is like one of the best scenes from this movie, Brett. Yeah, I think it's just shot really well because you don't really get to see what he's seeing until she sees it. So it's reverse chauvinistic. I was just joking about that. Uh, I just messed her up. <laughs> At least he doesn't like pull her hair like Jeff Goldblum. Like, hey, look over yeah. here. <laughs> Gosh. Watching this movie really made me wonder why they made B.D. Wong the villain in the new ones. <laughs> he seems so nice. He seems so nice. It's ridiculous. He's well. He's a he's a kind of a bad guy in the book. He dies too in the first book. Oh, spoiler alert! Sorry. What's he do? That's bad. What's he do in the book? Hey, he's like a genius, but he just doesn't care about what he's creating. He just creates, he doesn't really know that much about dinosaurs and he's just really arrogant. Yeah, he seems pretty pretty careless to choose amphibians if they're so... Right, and he's supposed to be like a whiz Able kid. to change their sex or whatever on a whim. The craziest difference is uh, Dr. Hammond, or John Hammond or whatever, he's like a bad guy. What's he do? He, like, all of the bad... <laughs> He's just, he's a, he's a dick. He doesn't care. He's mean. He doesn't even love it. He doesn't like his grandchildren. Uh, he's super greedy. Everything that goes wrong, uh, he blames on somebody else. Um, the Gennaro in this book 
in the movie, he got like some of his bad qualities in the book. Mm. But um, he <laughs> he actually dies in the book. It's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> He's like walking and like uh, he hears a T Rex roar. And it scares him, and he falls down a hill and, br- and hurt, hurts his ankle, and he can't climb back up the hill. So, and then he gets eaten by eaten by all these little dinosaurs, Tinos. So, <laughs> the little baby ones that yeah, I think they're more in Lost World. Yep, they attacked a little girl or something. I'm so glad that Attenborough, you know, he's like kind of blind to what he's doing, but he's at least lovable. It'd be yeah, painful yeah, sure. to watch it. It'd be painful to watch the other way. It'd have to be a different casting, I think. Definitely, and I think I think it was a good decision. And again, they got to takes his some of his bad qualities actually the worst character in the entire book is the girl the little girl she is unbearable she's, she's a only seven she's only no but in the book she's only seven <laughs> and the boy is the one that's the computer jizz he's like the he's the computer genius and the dinosaur he like he literally saves them throughout like the entire book he's like a super genius and the little girl just cries and screams all the time. She's got no talent. <laughs> to go Hate back her. to Richard Attenborough, Sorry. though, I I love this movie. I kind of wish it, he was cast as somebody else. I don't know. Really? I don't know if that's Damn. a hot take. Like, apparently, the original first choice was Sean Connery. I think that would be a million times better, just out of hand. Mm. And like, I really don't like the flea circus scene. I think that's fucking like ridiculous. Uh, I don't yeah. know. Like, do. You, do you guys like the flea circus monologue? It's better in Bone Tomahawk. It's true. That's a pa- that's a Pappy delivering it. Yeah. I do like the flea circus scene, Pappy. Um, obvi- I, I mean, it's, it is very heavy-handed, but uh, I don't. I, I do like Richard Attenborough. He seems like a sweet old man. So he's not even worried about his kids. He's not even in the room where all of the <laughs> systems and stuff are. He's chowing down so on dinner. Like, oh, that'll the be fine. Well, it yeah, I think he is a coward. And I think that speaks to that, but um, kind, at least. Cowardly, certainly. He's got a sparkle in his eye, Pap. He's Santa Claus, Jeez, bro. Pap. Stevie, What's wrong with you? Stevie, question. What was the intermediary career step for Hammond between flea circus owner and fucking di- dinosaur park owner? What did he do <laughs> to... He started InGen. Get enough capital. <laughs> Diamond mines, bro. <laughs> Zinge. They actually answered that in another the movie, Stevie Pappy. question. I got a Stevie up, question Josh? too. If Richard, if uh, Attenborough, Ham, sir. sorry, if Sir Hammond, if his company is the Coke, Coca Cola of making dinosaurs, who's this other Pepsi company that wants to buy these like vials? Disney. <laughs> What's the name? One hundred percent Disney. It's uh, the U.S. Department of Defense wants those dino embryos. God, do you want a name, Josh? I just thought it was funny to think of like a competitor to this like far out business. Biosyn. Biosyn is their name. Oh, they have a name? Yeah, because the the guy at the beginning, Dodgson, he's actually a, a like a he's the main bad guy in the book, um, and he's trying. I mean, he's trying to steal. That's a way bigger storyline. Uh, is uh, Newman's character in it? In the book? Did you say Biosyn? What did you say, Stevie? <laughs> is is Newman's character in the book? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, oh, yeah. His is pretty, he's pretty much exactly the same, except he actually has kind of a reason in the book because he's literally blackmailed by Hammond. He, like, blackmails him into writing all that code for uh, no no extra money and all that stuff like that, so he's just kind of like, F you. Josh, I think it's, it's either Biosyn or it's Penetrode. 
Dude, Biosyn. Biosyn sounds way that better. It's not Penetrode. That's an <laughs> office space joke. That gets us into another character that people complain about, though. Who? Have you have you guys heard that? Like, people complain about Newman, Wayne Knight, being Nedry. Like, he's too goofy for this movie. Really? Well, when he does slip down the mudslide, there's like a, tr- a whistle or something. Yeah. Dude. Like, it's so funny, dude. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'd never heard that before in my life. And Brittany's like, there's like a really weird... like slippery sound and i was like what is she talking about we went back and listened to it i couldn't believe it everyone should look for that it's so funny is it like the sneakers when the wizards are fighting kind of it's like it's something you hear in scooby-doo like yeah it's the sound effect it's like it it is totally out of out of uh (laughs) it's so weird it's out of place yeah out of place yeah with the rest of the movie it's like so silly and goofy and then he gets brutally fucking eaten by a dude the dilophosaurus i think an underrated line in the movie that always makes me laugh is he goes i'm gonna run you over when i come back down here (laughs) that is pretty good is the complaint about him because he's just so hateable he's like too hateable too numany too Newman-y? What's the complaint with him? He's too goofy. Goofy. Like, too cartoony, and it doesn't fit, like, the tone of the movie. <laughs> oh, the movie about making dinosaurs from mosquito, uh, Amber, yeah. Hey, I'm just a messenger. We can, yeah. <laughs> I don't believe this is true. I love him in this movie. He's great, and he's so hateable. And uh, I, I will just say this, working uh, in the related IT field, I have seen... A few IT guys that are just as uh, slobby as he in terms of like their desk and like the wires around it and shit. I don't know if you guys notice that. There's like Cat 5 cables just like hanging down, like not tied or anything. I love when Samuel Jackson goes over his desk and starts bitching about it. Look at this workstation. He half his belongings on the phone, on the floor. <laughs> Kyla, you're an IT guy. How realistic is uh, Lex in the uh, hacking scene when she has to save the day? It's a Unix system. She knows this. Yeah, uh, it's it's the Hacker Man meme. She needs to find a file. <laughs> Except the Hacker Girl. Uh, I love that. That there's like a a line that is so throwaway that I always forget where it happens when she says, "I'm not a nerd. I'm a hacker." I'm a hacker. And then later on, she uses her skills to get the doors locked and. Uh, she, she holds a mouse in the old way. I don't know if you guys remember, like, when people used to put their hand over a mouse and they would only have one finger down and the other three would be risen up slightly. She does that, so that's kind of annoying. But also, she's using, I think, Nedry's computer, right? Yeah. Well, Probably. before, like, everything on his screen was, like, command line. It was all command line. When she gets there, it's all graphic user interface. Like, Dude, she's, it's like, a PS2. navigating through files in a visual display. So she must be really good because she turned that on. She's on the PS2 uh, memory card. She's going through the files, <laughs> looking for the for the right programs to turn on. Yeah, I just love the idea that like in the future it's gonna be more efficient to fly through your file structure as opposed to just reading what the different folder names are and clicking on folders. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the one scene I really did want to touch on is uh, Dr. Alan Grant uh, and the T-Rex coming, like, 
pretty much over the wires and just causing mayhem. Anybody want to talk about that one? I think that's probably the most famous scene from this entire movie. It's pretty incredible. Uh, it's got a great mix of the practical and CGI effects, and I think that's really kind of what makes it one of the better scenes. Plus, everything is wet and rainy and dark, and that's how you really make a, a scene like that look really good because it yeah. hides a bunch of stuff. And I think it's just iconic in the fact that we get those like loud thuds and uh jeff goldblum is like what the fuck is that and sam neill is also like what the fuck is that and the kids are uh being annoying in the front car and it's just really iconic i think probably to the whole movie they were saying in that um documentary that the water ripple shot was by far the hardest practical effect of the entire movie and that they had no idea how to do it up until the night before when they just tried like... Didn't they use like a guitar string or something? Yeah, they just tried putting a glass of water on a guitar and plucking the string and that worked. So they ended up like running a guitar string through it. But they, the guy was like, that he was like pretty sure he was going to lose his job and was like freaking out. Like <laughs> he had no idea how to like do this basic <laughs> shot. Like, I'm surprised they didn't just like bang the dashboard or something. That would have made it ripple. Like what? I don't understand why it was so complicated. Stevie, you like Jaws, right? I do like Jaws. Is there some similarities between like this buildup and the final, like not final, but T-Rex finally making his appearance as there is to like Jaws finally showing up on the scene? The shark from Jaws? Um. It's his name. His name has always been Jaws to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Corey. Is his Jaws. name not Jaws? No. His name's Bruce Theodore. or something. Starring <laughs> the movie is Jaws. Starring Jaws as himself. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think this is a little different just for the fact that Jaws, uh, as Jaws himself, is kind of the main villain from the get from the jump. And you're just kind of anticipating what Jaws actually looks like. Uh, we just get kind of, I wouldn't say a throwaway line, but kind of real small acknowledgments that, yeah, we have a T-Rex. And what can go wrong when you, you know, don't have great security surrounding that? Uh, but, yeah, I think the anticipation lies greater with Jaws. What, what I thought was interesting, too, was it was an on-set decision after this scene to make the T-Rex come in at the end. Like, they totally changed the ending, like, months out of, like, shooting that scene where it was going to be, you know, that uh, bone T-Rex that's in, like, that kind of, like, atrium thing? Like, yeah, that was supposed to fall and kill them and the, Steven Spielberg decided that the T-Rex was like the star of the movie he should be the one to come in at the end and save him so it's like it's almost like Steven Spielberg's personally responsible for all of the T-Rex shirts that I owned between the ages of three <laughs> and ten years old mm-hmm. that was my first spoiler of all time my cousin Jason he'll never listen to this pod he spoiled it he told me the T-Rex comes and saves a day one day before I was going to see the movie in theater. What an a-hole. Damn. (laughs) That's why I'm on this pod to this day. I have deep damage. Whoa. I'm sorry, Josh. Yeah, that's terrible. Thanks, guys. That's why Josh is the way he is. Makes a lot of sense. (laughs) (laughs) This T-Rex scene is is iconic. Like Mikey said, it's it's one of my favorite movie scenes of all time, and I think the mix of the big animatronic that Josh mentioned earlier and the the CGI with like the dark 
rain, like kind of like Mikey said, is so good. And like, there's even one shot where it's it's right where they start shining the flashlight. It's like in the car with Jeff Goldblum and Alan. Grant Why is she doing and that? It's like an looks up and it's the animatronic head, and then it kind of pans in and it goes out of the frame for a second, and then the CGI T Rex walks in front. It's so good. Like, and it's such a ter- like as a kid, it was terrifying. And I think it does a really good job of like, I've mentioned it a, mu- a bunch of times on this pod, like action scenes with no music. Like the fact that they had no music during that scene made it so much more tense. Yeah. Tense for sure. This is one of the most tense scenes in any movie. I think uh, I might've mentioned that on our top 10 nineties podcast at Cine study where this movie was my number eight. Uh, but this scene in particular is amazing in every way. I mean, the whole movie is amazing, but this moment is just perfect and it really sets up these huge stakes for the movie and uh yeah i mean the the glass coming down from the top of the jeep on the kids and when they just like start it's quiet and then they just start screaming is it's so good i mean those every beat of this whole thing is good uh and the way they look or the way it looks the t-rex I, it's so weird. I don't. Sometimes there's movies that are new that have worse CGI than this 1993 movie, oh, yeah. and that gets talked about a mm. lot in pretty much any movie review that has bad CGI. Someone will say a comparison to Jurassic Park, but I mean it is true in some cases. Pappy, do you remember that part where they were talking about the animatronic and the behind the scenes where it was like actually really scary because like they had such control over it that like when it snapped its head and looked at you they said it was like terrifying like the scene where he shuts the door and it just like snaps and like its neck and looks right at him that was like the actual animatronic and it was it would move so fast and that would be so like freaking cool to be on that set not only that they said uh, the guy who basically was responsible for building it they were interviewing him and he's like so like we're going into this like it was a ton of work to build this it was really complex i'm telling steven steven no matter what when we get on set, you cannot get the T-Rex wet. Like, repeat after me, you cannot get the T-Rex wet. I cannot get the T-Rex wet. So it's like he showed up on set that day, and like, there's just like a hose like in the air, like spraying down the T-Rex. So like, apparently like it just caused like chaos, and like not only would it like stop working and like start like gyrating a little bit, so they'd have to like try and dry off the T-Rex, it would also like move on its own at random yeah. times, like scarily. Scared the crap out of people. They'd like be eating and they'd hear it like walking around, right? Yeah. So I mean, it would be fun to be on that set, but it sounds actually genuinely terrifying because <laughs> no matter right. what i also love the sound design of the t-rex and like the different like, oh yeah types of roars that it has it sounds so freaking cool so good yeah pretty i iconic. remember watching a special on this movie in the 90s like near the time it came out and they were talking about how they combined different animal sounds to make the t-rex and they had to like refine it and i so long ago, but I think they said like the key to it was a baby elephant noise is really what put it all together. Um, but uh, also, Pappy, I think that was uh, Stan Winston, right? He's the guy who did this. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. 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 When you get I all gotcha. these, good. Sorry. When you get all these older great movies with really good uh, practical effects, it's pretty much either Stan Winston or Rick Baker. <laughs> But this one was Ricky Baker. Uh, <laughs> I, I love that tidbit about the sound effects because I think they use more animals there than like Swiss Family Robinson has. 
<laughs> and they were torturing yeah, him. Killed significantly <laughs> less, but used more. <laughs> Dog, penguin, tiger, alligator, and elephant. But so can you guys tell a discernible difference between the T-Rex in that rain scene and the T-Rex at the end of the movie? Because the end of the movie is 100% CGI T-Rex. And like when you in the behind the scenes, there's like a guy with like a T-Rex head on a big, long wooden stick just like running around like where the T-Rex is going to be in the scene. It looks freaking <laughs> hilarious. But like, I don't know. Was it worth it to do the animatronic? Like, does one look significantly better or worse to you? It made two-year-old me feel a lot better in the theater to see him saving the day uh, than I remember being terrified of the cars in the rain shots, especially when he was coming down on the glass. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why my parents took me to see this movie, I still have no idea. (laughs) Um, But I do remember feeling safer with the T-Rex saving the day. But as... As I get older, I think there is a pretty big difference, Pat, between the animatronic and the CGI, especially just in look. Um, So I'm not sure if it was completely worth it, but Steven definitely did get a lot of mileage out of that Jurassic Park kind of banner coming down around the T-Rex. That's that's some great promotion, my friend. I don't know how many lunchboxes were sold (laughs) off that shot alone, but... I think they made quite a bit of money from that. Yeah, the ending scene is basically Toyota-thon for Jurassic Park. (laughs) (laughs) But I got to agree, Stevie. I think that first T-Rex scene, if there was more like that, if the whole movie was like that, shot more like a horror horror, dinosaur movie or something, I think it, man, that would be amazing if the whole movie was just like not ranked up, ratcheted up to 10 for that kind of feel. Credit to Steven, though, because that scene literally, it's intense, and it just scared the living shit out of me as a kid. Hey, Pap. Yeah. So I don't know if I knew that they had changed the ending, but do you think that let... I mean, I always hear people talk about one of the biggest plot holes in movie history is the ending. Uh, Because, you know, earlier, every time the T-Rex walks, Mm -hmm. it shakes the whole foundation of everything, and then, but it's yet somehow able to sneak up on everybody, including including two of uh, the stealth. greatest hunters known to man. <laughs> he was tiptoeing I, up there. Came in the yeah. back the back door. I, just, yeah. I mean, again, I, it, it doesn't bother me. I've I've told Billy Tash plot holes don't really bother me, but like I wonder if that's kind of a if that's what led to that, and b if it was worth it for people that don't like plot holes. So, at that point, the movie is like in full on roller coaster ride mode right like we're just like even like just focused on this one storyline as they're like moving from room to room like i that's like a definite kind of you know icebox moment right like it would have been so cool because they spent so much time setting up the ripples if there would have been like not a stealth t-rex attack maybe something like more announced but i i don't know i definitely don't think about it in the heat of the moment yeah yeah, was always wondered about that. One of the really interesting things, too, speaking of practical versus CGI, is I was listening to Rewatchables podcast, and they pointed out, and it's so true, like, this movie was a high watermark for CGI. Like, the first one that live animal, live animals or whatever, that looked so good, it effectively, like, cheapened the market for the practical effects so that, like, practical effect world 
and the skills and all like the companies weren't ever the same afterwards. Jurassic Park lies in this weird like X graph of like the downfall of practical and the uptick of CGI and then just in a really well done way. Like it's almost like the Beatles. Like they they could have been good in any time, but they couldn't have been like had to hit at the right place at the right yeah. time for it to like kind of happen, you know. Yeah, I like that analogy. It's just I don't know. Like it's kind of unfortunate cuz like this is such a good blend. And then at the end of the decade, we, we go for George Lucas prequels where everyone's just standing on a sea of green and everything's CGI. Like, yeah, this, this looks, legitimately looks better than the prequels, I'd say. Oh, yeah, I'd agree with that. Except for Jar Jar. True. <laughs> There's not that many deaths in this movie, at least not as many as the sequels where there's just like people that exist to be killed by dinosaurs. <laughs> um, in some cases, many, many people, usually working for an evil corporation. Red shirts. Um, there is Muldoon, and I really like the moment where he dies because, you know, he's a hunter. The raptors are a hunter. It's hunter versus hunter, right? Who's going to win? If only Alan Grant had told him the way they hunt, he might have stood a chance. Because <laughs> it's, it's quite beautiful, actually. They attack him exactly as Alan Grant described from the side. He's looking at one. It's looking at him. He's about to take the shot, but he gets attacked directly from the side. It's awesome. Grab a girl. You notice he doesn't like thirst kill that first one out of like respect. Thirst is like in Fortnite. If someone is downed, you like actually spend the time to piss on them and kill them all the way. I hate gaming culture. Oh Jesus! He could have shot that first one in the face, <laughs> but my theory is he has yeah. he has such respect. It could have helped everyone else, but yeah, I'm with you. I mean, this it's, guy has a death wish. What does he think he's going to do, honestly? <laughs> he knows there's like three of them. Showtime! He was there in that opening scene where that first raptor took like 90 shots to the head before it went down. Still killed a man. And this is this is kind of what I was saying earlier of like a horror movie. Like, I think his death is pretty brutal. Like, he gets like attacked in the bushes and then like his face is eaten or implied behind like a shrub and that's pretty violent but and then it like, cuts to the raptor watching and a snake goes by yeah like on the, it's pr- really creepy like if the whole i want all of the all of the movies to be like that but now it's like so disney-fied and watered down like the new, <laughs> the new movies are never going to be like that again like that, that was pretty brutal and kind of scary and you know that what grant said earlier was true and what did he leave you on there when he talked to that kid it's that these things start eating you while you're alive so like that's the lingering thought you have well to get along with mikey's like horror element you know you get the part where ellie's down in the engine room or something turning on the power again she's like it's like a close-up of her face and then a raptor's boom like right behind her and then you get the classic right it's her moment of triumph Mm -hmm. too yeah Dr. Arnold's arm lands on her shoulder and she's like, oh my god, I'm so glad you're here and then boom just a full on arms off and then another little jump scare it's like, I, I agree with Mikey, I hope like the future of Jurassic World since they're kind of expanding and doing new things, I hope they they let somebody do a more like dark horror centered uh, dinosaur show or movie yeah, PK, I think Mikey's on to something, with a proper edit this easily could have been a horror movie they had, they released a short film 
for before like the new Jurassic World movie or like after the new oh, Jurassic cool. World and like yeah that there's like I saw that some some scenes in that that's like it's like all right we're we're heading in the right direction it's just like I I'd love to see more horror elements in this franchise isn't Michael Crichton's book Brett pretty yeah. horror filled I heard like that scene with Newman they describe like oh, the yeah. eating of his jugular and stuff and that all the blood they, they slice his guts open. I don't know. It doesn't get killed, but it gets attacked. It's like um, a, a mother walking into her baby getting eaten and shit. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're telling stories about them in, like, uh, Costa Rica. But, yeah, there's the kid that gets attacked on the the shore that who that actually lives. But That's how the second movie starts, that attack. Right, but it's, it's yeah, it's in the... Yeah, the, the it's, book? It's to show that the dinosaurs are kind of migrating, which is kind of what they imply at the end. Maybe that's a deleted scene. Yeah, the book is way more violent. A lot, a lot of the characters that survive in the movie don't survive in the book. And the other way around as well. Mm-hmm. Gennaro, uh, Gennaro lives. Uh, Muldoon lives. Uh, and yeah, and the old man dies. And pretty sure Ian Malcolm dies too. He does, and then they bring him back in the second book, which is hilarious. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, I think no DNA. He literally spends Dino the second DNA. half of the book like in a pain medication haze, like speaking nonsense, um, and then he dies, and then he's literally the main character of the second book. I think, I don't think Michael Crichton thought that he was going to have like maybe have a big hit or something, but. Well, I, I think they made I mean, him write the second book after the success of the first of the movie. They wanted to make some, another movie, so they wanted something to base it on. For sure, but, but I mean, he actually, apparently, he sold the script, the rights to that movie for two million dollars before it was even, before it was the book was even done, the script was done, or something. They yeah. just knew it was going to be the same thing somehow. with Congo. I think he's a awesome. He was an awesome, super smart dude. Speaking of Dino DNA, Stevie. You've been to screenwriting and scripts, and you you often criticize uh, like news and other forms of exposition. How do you feel about Mr. DNA and the dinosaurs that he talks about? Do you is this good exposition? Is this well done? This is a fantastic shot at Disney. <laughs> um, like the ride. You have no idea. <laughs> you have no idea how many of those rides are at Disney World and Disneyland. Um, there used to be like Disney World used to be filled with them. So like this coming along in the 90s was a fantastic shot at Disney itself. You mean the like the future of tomorrow, like all that like future of tomorrow. Um, what's that ride that's in Tomorrowland? Um, what is it called where it shows like the families and how they progress like the 50s? Yeah, I don't know what it's all called. Up, like the 2030s. Carousel of Progress. Yes. It's called the Carousel of Progress. <laughs> and there used to be another one. Uh, used to be another one called Cranium Command that was just like that. Uh, there was. Um, Kyla, do you remember this? Uh, it's where Star Tours is now. There used to be one where they took a ride through the body. Like they shrunk oh. you down like a simulator and you like rode through like the human body. Magic School Bus, Miss Frizzle shit. <laughs> yeah, it was like that. That's the rock uh, this, hard Viggo I mean, Mortensen, I'm pretty sure. That's what that's called. <laughs> but yeah, that was a uh, fantastic kind of poke at Disney, along with the lawyer thinking they're going to make so much money, and he goes, we can you know, figure out a coupon, coupon day. day yeah. that, that was a pretty nice shot at Disney as well. 
He asks if the uh, workers are auto-erotica. <laughs> yeah, what was it? <laughs> to which Hammond says, no, there's no animatronics here. Dumbass. Was that a, like a misdelivered line? I feel like the lawyer just doesn't understand like this area. Like, <laughs> Now, is this a hentai? <laughs> <laughs> is this, is this what one of those hentai that my about? kids keep talking about? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, uh, before we get into yes or no, do you guys have anything else you want to touch on? Yeah, real quick. I, does yes or no? This movie has the most erotic shot in the history of movies when it shows Jeff Goldblum up, <laughs> propped up on that thing with his shirt open. Just that. I mean, what's the point of that shot? Other than the listening of, of <laughs> right, them also like, putting Alan Grant on his stomach instead of the Triceratops. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. <laughs> but like, if these were around back then, I'd get it. But. <sighs> They weren't. I mean, women need something to look at too, Brett. What? The boys get the dinos, and the girls <laughs> yeah. get Jeff Goldblum. I mean, Brett, you've seen The Fly, right? No, I haven't, but I heard it's gross. Goldblum is built like a Greek god in that movie. Oh yeah, he made many women swoon during the during his time. Nice. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I love. I think it's hilarious. I'm just like that shot. Just seems so weird. It, it like. It almost seems like it was created for memes, but oh, uh, it yeah, it's got no. There's no context to it, and it <laughs> the camera moves off of him and doesn't go back to him at all after that. Right. <laughs> we just wanted to show him with his shirt open here for five seconds. Do you guys though agree that watching it as a kid, I didn't really think Jeff Goldblum was like necessarily cool and sexy. Like I thought Sam Neill was the man. Kind yeah. of what Corey was saying earlier. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. I still do, but. Compared to Jeff Goldblum, or compared to Sam Neill, Jeff Goldblum was kind of like a joke. Like his theories about chaos seemed kind of dumb. And even though he was right in the end, he was still like not as badass as Sam. Yeah. Josh, can you do me a favor? Hmm. Maybe. Since you've never <laughs> done a Michael Caine impression for me on this podcast. <laughs> what? <laughs> Can you do Jeff Goldblum's laugh in the helicopter for us? <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, no. <laughs> I'm very against Stevie <laughs> demanding me do things. <laughs> I have one more note. What is Stevie? Uh, Hit it, on Steven Spielberg's career in general. Um, this is kind of like coming off of a really low point. And I don't want to hurt Kylo's feelings, but like up no, to this point, like he was definitely Oscar chasing Color Purple, Empire of the Sun, makes Last Crusade, so I'll put that aside. Good movie. Then he yeah, like rip on hook. makes two horrible movies back to back always, <laughs> which no one has even fucking seen. And Hook, one of the worst children's movies of all time. And nope. then in nope. Ni- nope. <laughs> and then in 1993 he achieves the highest level of commercial success you can have. He has the highest grossing film of all time in Jurassic Park and he achieves the highest level of critical success you can have and wins the Oscar for Schindler's List. Then doesn't make a movie for four years and comes back with The Lost World, one of the fucking worst movies I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. It's so We talked weird. about that on The Lost World pod. That is a really funny circumstance. I mean, my feelings about Hook aside. Like, 
Why? Why? <laughs> why? <laughs> why? Why, Steven? Why? <laughs> was he like, I'm going to retire after Jurassic Park? Why did he take such a long break? Or was he... He took a break because Schindler's List apparently took an emotional toll. And, why? Uh, he needed to <laughs> step away. <laughs> that slapstick comedy took a, uh, a toll against him? That knee slapper? He was still recovering from Hook, let's be honest. He was, oh, come. His soul had I been feel empty. like there's probably some Malcolm Gladwell, like, arithmetic to, like, why one director would, like, blow up in one year and have all his, like, best work just really wrapped up. It's, well, I it's, just hope that he didn't spend three and a half of those years, like, planning Lost World. Like, what a waste of time that <laughs> was if that's what he was cooking up for four years. I think he was going to direct Jack, and then when Francis Ford Coppola got it, he was so devastated that he went into, <laughs> he became a hermit for a couple years. <laughs> don't blame him. <laughs> Kylo, I really am sorry, though, but I really do just hate Hook, the movie Hook. Love it. <sighs> Hook has one of the best insults that I've ever heard. Which is where Which is. Peter calls one of the kids to insult him, a nearsighted gynecologist. Oh, yeah. It's classic. <laughs> oh, shit. That is some good shit. The kids don't get <sighs> it, which kind of makes it, you know, but whatever. The movie has a good soundtrack. I mean, but can you crow? Do something. <laughs> can you watch the crow? Yes. All right, let's go from Weesis to Esis this time. Oh. I think Kylo ah. starts. Hey. All right, cool. I get the first word. Yeah, this is Corey, Kylo Ren memes. Uh, this movie holds a special place in my life. I'm, that's probably not unique to me, but my age is a big factor in that. Just got to tell you guys, when I was a kid and this came out, I had Jurassic Park trading cards. I had a fucking Jurassic Park binder that I remember saving pennies in a jar to buy. It was five fucking dollars. That was a lot of money for me. I had to save a bunch of pennies. I was asking people for money all the time. I had this like sweet fold-out Velcro snap laminated Jurassic Park binder. It was amazing. Me oh, and my friends were in a club. Dr. Grant. <laughs> <laughs> we were in a club called the Dino Club, okay? It's dinosaur experts only, no girls allowed. Alright, so dinosaurs were a big deal to me. Uh, this movie is awesome. I love it for nostalgia, but I love it on its own merits as well. It is wonderfully edited. It has no downtime. Every scene I like. It has a wonderful score. It has great characters, great performances. It's just a, a, a solid ride, and it's something that I will always love. Uh, this is Pappy. Uh, definite hard yes. Great, great pick, Chris. Yeah, I, I like that you weren't afraid to to go big uh, with your pick, Jurassic Park. Uh, super important movie to everyone on this podcast and probably a lot of people who listen to this podcast so really glad that you picked it we probably would have never gotten around to it in the movie game uh, I will say quickly that the Jurassic Park franchise is an absolute dog shit F tier franchise but like the <laughs> uh, Predator and Rambo franchises the first movie is really 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 fucking good and that's why there's a whole franchise of films that <laughs> followed it um Everything below the line is like a hundred out of a hundred filmmaking. This this film took home a couple Oscars. Like we've talked about the technical accomplishments, just freaking incredible what they did. Um, and yeah, 
really cool movie for me in my life. Uh, hard yes, I'll watch this any day of the week. Uh, good pick again, Chris. Uh, superhero correspondent PK. We got PK here. See, nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what? Uh, now we're here. Um, yeah, definitely yes for me. It's one of my favorite movies. I think it's in my top three. I went to the 25th anniversary of this movie at Universal Studios uh, before I moved back from L.A., and it was pretty cool. We got to see the movie in the theater, and they, at the time, showed us the intro scene for Fallen Kingdom, which I was, like, pumped to see it, but then I was, I was kind of disappointed after I watched it, so I got worried about the movie, and it, whatever, I gave it a yes, but it's, I just, as shitty as this franchise is, it's fun. I love it. I said in the podcast or the pre-pod, I was like, I just like seeing dinosaurs eat people. You know, like this first movie is the one that has like the best style, and that's the type of movie I want to see. But I hope the franchise kind of takes a turn after Jurassic World Dominion and explores new opportunities, and they give somebody the reins to take it a little darker. Because I, I would love to see a rated R Jurassic Park movie. So, yes from me. It won't. Uh, yes, it's obviously a yes. I think it's one of the best movies of the 90s. And uh, to be honest, when I watched it when I was younger, the whole side plot of uh, these dinosaur embryos and Newman getting them off the island didn't care about, didn't even, didn't even like give any semblance of thought to throughout the many times that I watched it back then. But uh, yeah, it's just... A whole another aspect of the movie that's also pretty good watching it nowadays just i didn't care about it at all i only cared about the dinosaur scenes back then but uh all around it's a great movie and yeah the effects are still so good and the score is so good and it is pappy's right it's an f-tier franchise overall that's seems to be a lot of those types of movies and falls <laughs> in line with rambo and <laughs> terminator <laughs> but um yeah the first one is just an amazing movie so absolute yes Josh. Uh, Josh. Uh, uh, you didn't say the magic word <laughs> <laughs> please <laughs> Corey is your Jurassic Park binder just filled with locked dirt cards now <laughs> hey that's good is it though? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Josh, you see they're digital playing cards. Oh, so it's a different binder. <laughs> anyway, Jurassic Park, huge Figo Mortensen, yes for me. It was my first spoiler in life. I laid that out kind of earlier. It's also the first movie I ever had been to in a theater where um, the film went out, and that was kind of jarring for me because I didn't know that's something that could happen. So we had to like, me and my dad had to like come back and see it later. And in that meantime, my cousin Jay spoiled the ending. <sighs> anyway, I feel like at that age, I pretty, like Timmy was kind of like my avatar. There's a like short film that Fred Savage was in called Dinosaurs that I think probably a lot of people my age saw either in school or just like on TV randomly or had the VHS. But this Jurassic Park was like truly dinosaurs coming to life in a way they never had before. And it's enough to still capture 
the imagination like 28 years later. It's insane. So huge yes for this movie. Always will love Jurassic Park. Thank you, Chris. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, this is definitely one of the best movies we've ever spoiled. Yeah, I guess I didn't realize how much I liked dinosaurs during that time. And dinosaurs was like everywhere. Um, the older people might remember the show. I know my brother will. Denver, The Last Dinosaur. He had like Land of the Lost. Uh, the TV show, Dinosaurs. Just dinosaurs were everywhere. And rightfully so. They're really awesome. So, uh, Josh, I don't know if I uh, answered your question earlier. Yeah, uh, Nedry is literally getting his guts ripped out, and you're hearing it, you're reading it from his perspective. So, yes, it's extremely violent. Uh, there are scenes in the book that are very, very violent. So, yeah, hard, 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 yes. This is amazing, amazing movie. It still looks fantastic. Um, just great, great. That's it. <laughs> fantastic. Denver, the last dinosaur. That's dinosaur. <laughs> What was that at the end? What? I was, I was singing Denver the Last Dinosaur with Corey. Okay. No, when you were saying great. Oh, fantastic China. I don't know. <laughs> you know what I was You doing. knew what it was, Stevie. Let it go. Uh, Greg, yeah, Greg and I love doing those. They're so funny. It's great. It's the best. Oh. Yeah, I will give this movie a very, very rock hard Viggo Mortensen uh, hard yes. I absolutely love this movie. Uh, Alan Grant slow walking towards the T-Rex with a flare in his hand. Uh, looking up at the T-Rex is one of my favorite shots in movie history. Uh, mixed with the rain, the darkness, and the red coming off the flare, it just looks absolutely incredible. I love this uh, Alan Grant story arc of you know becoming a father through the scariest you know point in his entire life. Stuff like that, I just think is awesome. And this franchise is terrible. But I'm really happy that Chris chose this one. Thank God. And even though I'm not looking forward to what's it called, Dominion? Yeah. Uh, if they don't follow through with that little girl from the one before having Raptor in her, I'm going to be very disappointed. <laughs> Wait, what? Because that is my theory, and I will die on that hill. Gosh, I hope Maisie's you're right. not just a clone of her mother, she has Raptor in her. <laughs> 100%. And if they don't follow through with it, I'm going to be very upset. Stop. You're depressing but, me. <sighs> I know. The movie is awful, but it's the one thing I had going for it. Raptor in human. They can do it. Uh, but hey, yeah, they're just, just they're an alive absolutely... like her. All right. What's that? I said they're alive like her. Okay. <laughs> exactly. She feels connected to him. It's a whole separate podcast on it, but she has Raptor in her. <laughs> um, but yeah, just an amazing movie and probably my favorite Stevie Spielberg movie. Just what a movie. So happy I watched it three times this weekend. <laughs> Absolute hard yes. Uh, before we leave, though, are you guys ready for some trivia? Whoa! Yeah. Hmm. What is the winner I mean, yet? Richard Attenborough, who plays the amazing, or I guess evil in the book, John Hammond in this movie, was an avid fan of Chelsea Football Club, which is my favorite soccer team of all time. I wake up at 7 in the morning every time on the weekends to watch them. My question to you, and since we're not, you know, we're just getting respect on this, let's go from Isis to Weesis. Frank Lampard is the all-time leading scorer at Chelsea. How many goals did he score for them in his career? Oh, man. I was really hoping for some JP trivia. (laughs) (laughs) All-time. Not with Stevie. 
you said score as uh, goals you're talking about? Um, mm-hmm. I will say 73. 73 for Brett. Okay, who's next? Uh, shout out to brothers Jordan and Jared, Liverpool fans. The Reds, you'll never walk alone. Um, <laughs> I'll what? go right at all. What was that? <laughs> 169. 69. 169. Uh, Money. I'll guess 101. 101. Okay. I'm going to guess 233. 233, says PK. Okay. I'll say 333. That seems really high. Well, I'll take the answer that Pappy should have said. Uh, four hundred and twenty. Is, is that the last guess, Kylo? Yeah. Hey now, Stevie. Can I get can I get half a point for getting it almost exactly half right? You weren't even close to ex- exactly half right. Hmm, I'm looking at the wrong thing. Then go ahead. Okay, Frankie Lampard, Super Frank, my favorite player in all of Chelsea history. Terrible coach. He wasn't great. <laughs> all right, he wasn't great. It doesn't mean Michael Jordan wasn't great for the Bulls. His, you know, <laughs> he just wasn't great as a coach. Anyway, in all competitions, he scored an astounding 211 goals for Chelsea, <gasps> which means PK Yo, gets all of our respect because he was the closest. Let's My go. first like trivia with the full crew, and I win. Let's go. Wow. I haven't won any WandaVision yet. Uh, mine says 147. Now so we much can respect PK. Mine just says... Yes. Respect me. <laughs> oh, this says 211. Yeah, 211 if you go by all score. Like, Yeah, I think he had, what, 170 for Premier League? 147 yeah. for Chelsea. There so you go. Almost ex- exactly halfway almost, but good job, PK. Hey, you respect me, you, res- you respect Jurassic Park, all right? <laughs> <laughs> now, Pap, mm. as is tradition, mm. I'm going to kick it to you because I love you and you're my best friend. Mm. But what do we have coming down the line? Yes! And if people want to join our Patreon, how can they do that? Okay, so first things first, it's patreon.com forward slash. I don't know what the what's after the forward slash. Hold on. Patreon.com <laughs> forward slash spoilers podcast. Not, Back. no, Josh, don't say that. Option, optional slash. <laughs> nope. The slash is required. Options. Um, also, uh, the app on Patreon is really good because they have a bunch of episodes on there. And I found that the interface for playing episodes is actually really nice. But what's coming down the pipe, you asked, Stevie? I'll just say yes. two things. One, we did run a poll for our patrons on what kind of episode they wanted to hear. And they voted on a movie that we like. So relatively... Soon this summer, there's going to be a Mad Max Fury Road pod on the Patreon, which is exciting. We haven't recorded that yet, so it's a long way off. But you did a great job hosting tonight. Uh, Go go to bed early, rest up, uh, get your movie eyes ready, because you're back to hosting with Maximum Overdrive, our next movie game. uh, So a movie equally as good as Jurassic Park uh, in most (laughs) most circles. But that's what we have to look forward to. And more Patreon requests, but I'm not going to say them because I get beeped out. When I do. Mm-hmm. That's hilarious, though. <laughs> Crystal Skull. And oh. snap. Uh, yes, we do have. That'll get bleeped out, though. I just think it's going to be fine for me being bleeped out saying on the podcast lots of times. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, I just want to say thank you all for listening, and thank you to Chris for joining our Patreon and picking this amazing movie. I had so much fun hosting with all of you. Twas awesome. That was spoilers. Spoiler Man here. Please consider going to patreon.com slash spoilers podcast. Special thank you to our patrons. Really spectacular. Spared no expense. Nick. Absolutely spectacular design. Spared no expense. Brother Brian. Top of the line. Spared no expense. Druid King. Spared no expense. Matt Troll. Spared no expense. Our email is podcastspoilers at gmail.com. Oh, yeah, man. Did I not say all of you? Yeah, but he gets to take it away, right? That was the trivia. Didn't you already get to take it away? You ruined my moment, Stevie. I thought you were going to respect. You know what, PK? I gave you respect and I'll lose it right away. (laughs) You lost it quickly. Since you won, take us out. All right. uh, Thanks, Chris. Great movie. Thanks for having me on a non-superhero episode. Take it away, Spinosaurus Man. I mean, Spoiler Man. That was Spoilers.